0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, my name is Aid, and this is our show number 304, and it's going to be a good one today. Uh, all of us in the team are here. Hey, Rach, how are you doing? Hiya.
1: Um, yes, I'm good, actually. I'm finally getting towards the end of my various months of illnesses and, and things, and I'm hoping, coming out the other side um, on Sunday, I had a chance to do a virtual film development party, which uh, was lovely, getting to see everybody... Uh, again, um, so some of my patrons uh, through my Patreon um, are part of my Analog Academy and uh, monthly is the idea. Obviously, there's been a few months, unfortunately, without. Um, but we get a chance to meet up virtually from around the world and all develop our film together, which is really nice. So get to have a chat and figure out what people have shot or if they have no clue what they've shot, develop some mystery roles, which is always fun. So yeah. Uh, yeah, Sunday. It was lovely to uh, finally get a chance to catch up with people and uh, and see how that was going. I and mean, everybody came out with some images at the end, which is lovely. Um, Hillary was actually doing some cyanotypes because mm-hmm. she hadn't got a roll um, to 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 develop, so uh, we decided to do some cyanotypes with her instead. So yeah, it was great. Really enjoyed that. Actually, the role that I that I developed um, was uh, I had some shots of Jeff on it. Jeff Greenstein. From, Did you? Uh, Who's he? Yeah, from, is he somebody he, that we
0: used to know, but he ran off. <laughs> I know he ran off
1: and uh, and joined some other podcasts. I don't know, um, but yeah. So when he when he came to Liverpool and uh, did a workshop with me um, for the day that he was here, or a couple of days he was here with us, um, I went out with my Franca Salida, my cheap shots challenge camera, uh, and uh, was shooting shooting some uh, some frames with that just because it happened to be to hand uh, where I was um so yeah so there are a few shots of jeff which was fun um that they appeared on sunday and i was like oh hello i totally forgot i to had done these so uh that was nice there's one of him walking away um and it's very kind of like lots of um uh, tubes and mechanical, kind of like industrial stuff. And then there's the big uh, red brick um, brewery behind him. And he's got his white hat on. I don't know if you remember his white hat, if he was wearing that when he came to see you, Aidan Claire No, not um, that I recall, but, yeah,
0: but I, 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 I can picture it was the
1: hottest him. Day. It was the hottest day of the year when he was with us. And um, we were melting in my dark room. But yeah, so he had this white hat on. And so it's really nice because it kind of just stands out, you know, in the midst of all the rest of the industrial stuff um so yeah I'm, I'm gonna send him that over and be like oh jeff remember when we did this but yeah so that was my sunday it was lovely uh really enjoyed it that's me
0: cool <laughs> okay uh busy 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 and lovely to hear some energy in your voice as well as yes. you say it's good to. it's good to have you feeling <laughs> better it's good to have the the real rach back Thanks. claire how are you doing
2: I'm really well. Thank you, Ade. Um, Really nice to be here this evening. Um, I'm getting ready to go to Paris, actually. So I'm going there on Thursday. So that should be nice. Looking forward to that. And of course, um, delighted uh, to be here uh, to talk to our very special guest today.
0: Ah yes, our special guest. We should introduce her, shouldn't we? Um, because it is, it's going to be a really fascinating conversation. I'm very pleased to uh, to say that we have with us Ellen Rogers. Uh, Ellen, I'm looking forward to our chat. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, what what can we say? I mean, uh, there's a, a string of credits to your name that I, I couldn't possibly get through all in one introduction, I suppose. But let's say uh, just just reading, uh, you know, even from the short bio on your website, uh, clients including Vogue, Vice, Tank, ID, Alice Temperley uh currently studying a phd uh and uh, we'll talk more about that as well so welcome to the show
3: thank you for having me
0: yeah. oh it's great yeah. i think so some of the credit has to go to claire i think uh yeah, because yeah. claire is the one it's that uh, said world. we really need yeah. to we really need to talk to ellen ellen's amazing we really need to talk to ellen and Aww. so that's uh that's how you come to be joining us so so <laughs> claire is claire has been ever so excited which is really yeah. cool as well
2: so. i must say I'm, I'm sure listeners um many of our listeners will be familiar with ellen's work and like me um probably have enjoyed it over a period of time and. Always remember the first time I saw Ellen's work, and I was really just sort of in awe. Really, at the, the really high—I mean, it's such a high standard—but the the real kind of emotional depth of your work, and the real sort of dense atmospheres that you that you you create, and that kind of. Magical otherworldliness that's so present in you, present in your work. You know, I, I, I as soon as I saw it, I I really enjoyed it. So maybe I don't know. Maybe and yes, and I was saying we must must get Ellen on. And of course, it's all darkroom based, isn't it, Ellen? And it's oh. often hand um, hand coloured as well. Um, so maybe a good starting point is how did you even begin um, in photography, Ellen?
3: Okay, okay. Um... <laughs> gosh how did i begin in photography so my dad was a photographer um in the military um so we had i was from a military family he was from a military family my mum was from a military family um so we had a lot of kind of uh you know we had a dark room at home um and when he left uh the army we had he he carried on being an engineer and we had lots of cameras he was a real camera enthusiast a camera nerd so this was kind of um technology of cameras is still a big deal in in my life and my father's life with all of his friends are kind of quite keen amateurs even today um so you know it would be like uh, they all like taking pictures of uh military uh airplanes mm-hmm. um and you know trains and uh so that was really my kind of that's how i cut my teeth really you know it was it was something that was kind of always there for me even even you know going home for christmas and i know i'll be looking at loads of pictures of trains you know <laughs> taken with a pentax Seven or something yeah you know, like, there'll, there'll be kind of like hours of conversation so this was my whole life mm. before i was even able to kind of like read and write properly you know i was helping like light meter and helping develop films in the dark room and we always had a dark room at home so it was really something quite technical for me you know um so i think i had an advantage in that i knew how to do all of the technical stuff very early and i was able to forget it by the time i was kind of at university you know but i could lean on it you know i could lean on that expertise you know somehow so i think i i had i had some ability to kind of forget what i'd learned if that makes sense um so okay. yeah, it was it was uh how i got into photography it was i mean i went off and, and did a degree in printmaking and i really loved printmaking but i i think um it was always there in the background uh so i never really abandoned it that's really cool i, I,
1: lo- I love how <laughs> um you've you've kind of like like you say, you had the opportunity even to forget what you'd learned already, you know, so you <laughs> kind, of, kind of come back to it afresh and like from mm-hmm. your own perspective. So you've been been taught in, you know, informally, obviously, through family life and it just being generally around you, but then you've kind of almost forgotten that and, and relearned, but from your own perspective, which is really cool. And um, yeah, it, it's so funny listening to you talk about that because that is basically what. Uh, what happened to me as well? My dad was ah. in, the, in the RAF, and yes. um, I. Uh, my mum was had a my the dark room, there. right uh, at home. <laughs> and and in terms of you talking about taking photos and things, that was literally uh, sorry of, of um, uh, planes and stuff. That's exactly like what I grew up with, all around me. You know, it's all the, the aviation stuff. Yeah,
3: Mildenhall a lot. Did you ever go? What's around? that, sorry? So, so I spent a lot of time Hall.
1: Oh um, no, that was um. Oh God, where, where was my dad's base? Oh, oh shoot, I can't think. I'll, I'll have to look it up. Though it's so funny. It's sort of like we had this weird, almost like parallel life yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. about yeah, that,
1: I mean, I A lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> is, um, my dad's um dark room was up in the attic. Um. Oh. Same, yeah. Was the same for you, oh, yeah. um, and uh, and he he he'd go up there and he'd would like paint with the chemistry uh, and then like expose afterwards expose it afterwards and stuff rather than always just using negatives and mm-hmm. uh, and I found that really magic. I was like, how can you paint without being able to see it? Like you know, <laughs> it was just like. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting, all these mad things that came back and, and talked about. Sorry. So that was, obviously, from, from a personal perspective, I was like, this is, what's Ellen talking about my story? This is so bizarre. Um, but that's really cool that you went from that to then printmaking. And there is always that connection, I think, isn't there, between, like, screen printing and textiles and yeah. and, and, and printing in general and, like, um using the uh, the kind of print presses and and yeah. newspaper and all of that kind of layering thing um there's such a lot of crossover with a lot of that um mm. but it sounds like that's it, you kept coming back to photography rather than print in the end yeah. is that what, what happened to like kind of like switch switch that for you
3: yeah i mean i think i think you've hit, hit, hit on something that i think but if, when you're interested in the technical side of photography, mm. it's you become a technician rather than mm. a photographer, and it's mm. something that's that's also something I've been thinking a lot about. The older I get, um, mm. am I a photographer or am I a printer or am I someone mm. who yeah. spends time in the darkroom? Um, and actually, they're really separate disciplines in the industry. For example, mm. I found I was one of the only people in the fashion industry that printed my own work. Yeah, and that was a real, you know, when I realized that that was a real problem for me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was a working class girl from a military background and I didn't have the um, the means to kind of get this kind of master printers to print all my work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of forced me into this kind of role of master printer myself, but it meant I was often neglecting the photography. And I think somewhere along the lines that may have been where that look came from. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm which is just, is, you know, some slight negligence on my part, you know, gave it this kind of like effortlessness. But you
1: know, that's amazing. Like by you being negligent, you created these incredible pieces, Ellen. Oh my
3: word. Like how can anybody ever compete with this? <laughs> well, of true though, isn't it? I think at yeah. the same time, you, you kind of look at this work and, and this type of work, and it does come from a history of kind of i think british cinema probably Mm -hmm. um you know like there there were a number of films that i was really interested in but but actually you know watching films or watching the things i'm always interested in, i'm always completely i'm sure you you guys are the same as kind of technicians in a similar way but i was always completely um taken out of the process of watching films by stopping them in my mind or you know kind of working out what lens was being used or what lighting and you know things like this and and it's, it's something that keeps coming up in my phd in fact is that it's people like us who make a lot of work and are kind of forced into the role of a technician actually don't consume media in the same way. Like we we kind of forced to kind of work it out as we go all the time, you know, and, it, and it's something that I think about a lot, you know, like how, how do I process? So I know one of the things that we were talking about kind of seconds ago when we were talking um, in preparation, uh, <laughs> it was kind of like ideas and things like this, but I do think Ideas uh, are quite often technical for me, you know. And mm-hmm. so I think what was your original question? Like, how did I move from printmaking to photography? Yeah. Uh, well, it, was, it was all all technical, kind of yeah. like nerdery that I was kind of uh, spellbound.
1: Yay. By. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah
3: really cool, that. isn't it? Like about geeking out,
1: out over all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't know, did, did you find that there was um, uh, Anybody else that you could talk to about these things as well? Like, or or did you find that it was that was how you kind of like expressed it was through the work that you were making?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of been interested in, I mean, I think something I've noticed even with my students, when I so when I started teaching, and it's something that I notice in myself and I notice in other people, when I started teaching and then seeing now I've been teaching maybe about six, six or seven years, and seeing them later. You see that actually the things they were interested in at the beginning are the things that they're still interested in now. And I think you only really deal with one or two themes in your Mm. life, you know, as as an artist or a creative. And I I think it's very, very true. So I think the things that I'm dealing with now, they've changed in the way of, you know, the way I'm kind of uh, photographing women. And but it's always been about women. You know, it's always, it's always been about kind of what is this realm, the feminine is and, you know, kind of uh, growing up as a bit of a tomboy and growing up in a military background and growing up with, you know, my father, who was, who's quite a dominant character in my life. And that how, how do I kind of grapple with what the idea of a, a woman is? And I think that's definitely one of the themes mm-hmm. of my work is what is this psychological space of womanhood? You know, what, what is this? And, you know. What what is it that I'm kind of living in or existing in, and you know how how has that worked out in various different ways? Um But I mean that changes as you get older. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find that I can't photograph. You know, I started out photographing people my own age, and now if if I'm if when now when I go to photograph someone, I want to photograph someone my own age still. And so when I look back at my early work, I'm like, God, these girls look really young. Mm-hmm. You know, it is something that keeps coming back for me as kind of um yeah, like. There are these kind of certain themes that I deal with, and I deal with them kind of uh, in various different ways as I get older. I think. Mm. Can't remember
1: <laughs> question. It's, it's, it's been so lovely, hasn't it? Like to to hear your your thoughts on that, and and I guess that's that is part of it, like how how you end up going down one train of thought and then you end up bringing in something else. And it feels like that quite often, I think, when, when you're starting to create something. And um, that idea of there being cert- only a certain number of themes within your life is awesome. And um, I, I was just thinking about like, uh, the be- like some beautiful similarities between between your work um ellen and claire and like when yeah. i look at it you know and yeah. where you've talked about that sort of mystique and and the sort of like mystery and the and the kind of like magical part of of that and a womanhood and and these beautiful you know um portraits that you do whether it's self or of others um i just think there's there's just something so special about what you 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 all create you both create you know um and
3: so distinctly your own styles as well which is lovely and okay. um, i mean if you're it, like comparing my work and clothes actually is quite interesting because i think yeah. there is like an overt similarity and that is mm. cinema. um and that's the influence of cinema um, mm. i think yeah. there, i think you do get you get photographer photographers who take very <laughs> still images and then you get these kind of photographers that are quite I'm for whatever reason, intentionally or unintentionally uh, influenced by cinema, and that's by movement and by by the idea of like catching something very fleeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's you know one of the clearer points of reference for both me and Claire. And I think uh, Claire's work is you know a very specific type of cinema, and my work's probably referencing a very specific type of cinema, but I've also found that the photographers I choose to study in my life and, you know, my PhD and my as an academic are also uh, you know, photographers very clearly marked by cinema and a cinematic influence.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, yeah.
2: It's great to hear about your influence. Well, I mean because
3: oh, your work, I mean,
2: Rachel, you just said that your work is so distinct, Dallin, I think. You know, you always I can always you can always it's really distinguishable, you know, you always know that's Ellen's, that's that's got to be an Ellen picture and it is. So you were very, very young um, when you kind of exploded, if you like, Mm -hmm. um, and you were, you know, you're featured in, you know, Dazed and Vogue and all these places, um, being so young and your work then was such a high standard and you've maintained that consistency of standard. As I was saying earlier, I think that's a real skill. And also was it how, how was it to be so young and to be to get that much kind of um exposure, if you like, so
3: young? Did you feel a lot of pressure uh, 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 Ellen? Yeah, I mean I didn't I didn't cope with it very well at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was, you know, I really was never um someone that was able to take that kind of work I mean i mean, think I'm definitely a grafter but I mean that kind of workload was excessive right. I, had, I had an agent um in my mid-20s I got an agent um I'm not gonna say who but he was he was quite established um and it was it was yeah it was it was useful to kind of see that side of things and have someone kind of fight your corner for you but I felt yeah I felt quite unready for it, it was I think a lot of people I meet like some of my students, I know that they would be perfectly suited to that. And I'm thinking, well, I can prepare you for it because I went through it. But you yeah. know, maybe it wasn't the right path for me personally. I'm better focused, you know, as a someone who can teach and someone who can kind of work at a slower pace, think about what I'm producing. But the the rapid fire kind of like fashion mm. industry, you know, being I mean I'm I'm nearly 40 now. So it was, uh, you know, my early twenties that I was kind of in that situation. Mm. Um yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great uh a time in my life um but yeah I, th- I think it was difficult but then again I just think I just didn't have the right personality for it you know <laughs> I still do stuff like that I mean I still shoot you know relatively high profile things from time to time and I like doing it on a kind of like uh, you know once a year basis but four or five six seven shoots a huge month it was just you know that's a different level isn't it of
1: uh, you've got to be I would imagine a very specific kind of person who who really enjoys that and like lives off the buzz of being able to do that and that adrenaline rush and yeah. um, I get, you you've talked a few times actually Ellen about like that we we reflect on these things more i think as we get a bit older and you suddenly go oh my word i ended up in this situation but i wasn't expecting to be in that situation it wasn't mm-hmm. it just happened in that way um and you can start to identify more about who you are and what makes you tick and what ma- doesn't make you tick as well i think as you, as you get a bit older and and kind of go hmm yeah <laughs> maybe actually that isn't what's right for me or what was right for me in my 20s obviously is yeah. just maybe very different now, you know yeah it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a different person but maybe there's you know other things that are happening in your life right
3: yeah yeah exactly I mean um yeah I find teaching is definitely one of the the things that kind of kept me on track teaching mm-hmm. uh, photography academia um and kind of working and slowing down the pace of kind of mm-hmm. um what I, what I was doing but I think I, I don't know if it was recording when I mentioned this at the beginning, but um, in the fashion industry, something that came as a bit of a culture shock for me, as someone who really is a, quite a technician in a sense. And I was doing my own lighting. I was doing my own, was developing mm-hmm. my own film. I was printing my own pictures. Um, you know, I was doing everything, and I realised, you know, this isn't the history of of fashion photography. Has no one doing everything? You know, like you have someone mm-hmm. who prints your work, you have someone who yeah. um, lights your work, you have someone who styles your work. Well, I was never styling it, but um you know all these things. And you know, fashion is an ecology; it's a real kind of collaborative process. um mm-hmm. But right down to the fact that you see the final image, and really, the photographer is just someone that just took the picture. Usually, in this kind of context, I mean, you might get the odd person who, you know, in fashion history, he kind of went back and did it. But this is one of the things that's become a main uh driving force behind my research actually Mm -hmm. in photography is who are these people that did all the stuff that i Mm -hmm. thought that person did so you know you know i came to this work you know i mean i'm not going to mention some of the names because it's like key to my research but you know some of the name names in my uh my my whole life's inspiration you know um you know fashion photographers and i see their work and i'd be like this print you know is the source like you know the life source of everything you know it's you know it's just gives me life and you know the the grade and the working out what chemicals was used on you know what film do you think was used what camera do i think was used kind of going through this kind of history of these images that i love so much and then kind of realizing actually someone else did this and this and this and this and and, and I don't know who they are Mm. kind of my life's work to find out who they are Mm. um and interview them and talk to them and talk to them about the process and kind of um you know put these pieces back together um because you know it's it's my I never did that you know and it was one of the reasons why I got so burnt out in my very early 20s or my mid-20s by the time I was kind of doing all the stuff I was doing everything because you were doing everything right yeah that's not how it works you know yeah It's it's not how um, you know. It's it's, it's, so just finding people now who are kind of master printers and working for young photographers that you know who are brilliant. And it's just understanding that these images are ecologies and and understanding that there's so many layers to them um, was something that was kind of this this uh, maybe eye opener for me the first time. I and then now as a researcher, kind of looking at it. Mm. Right, what what is it that I need to kind of uh, take apart? you know to see all these moving parts and understand how they work um but yeah part of you (laughs) it's like
1: i I want to dismantle it to figure out how this whole thing fits together and how it works and everything yeah
3: yeah yeah, exactly and Yeah. yeah that's been the kind of thrust of my my research recently um kind of off of the back of the career i had and it gives me a, a gives me a vantage point to kind of you know having made all of this work with various different antiquated technologies that w- I would be able to work out how things were made in the 20s or the 30s or but but mostly in the 70s you know mm-hmm. the 70s 80s you know this is the technologies that you that all of us are using right now are probably yeah. most dominant in the 70s and 80s yeah um you know and so knowing then how photographers worked back then is a real you know it's it's huge actually you know I, when i first came to fashion and photography academia i i'd get way through all of these articles about these fashion images and i'd be rolling my eyes thinking that's not how they were taken, you know, and, and and you know, and I know for a fact that, you know, the, the four of us in this chat room right now will know more than most fashion academics know about the images because we know how to take them. I yeah. yeah, think nice for us to think yeah. age True, and it was, it, for me, it was really about the kind of, um, the understanding of the mechanics of of this work and, you know, kind of bringing that to the table in, in this kind of uh, academic setting. You know there's so much writing about kind of putting practice first, but actually how many people do it, not many. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been you know a real eye opener for me um, in terms of uh, you know what where I'm going at the moment, you know with with my work and my research is kind of separating all of these moving parts and kind of work and you know spending time with them
0: you've talked a lot about your research that you're doing at the moment um uh, and uh, i believe you're studying for a phd and but can you tell us what what's the 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 concept or the theme or the 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 subject matter of your research
3: yeah okay so it was about a certain type of fashion photography um that i felt i belonged to mm-hmm. um, you know rightly or wrongly um and it was kind of this very dreamy quite sad um mm. you know analog fashion photography that had this certain uh feeling to it you know the, the work of Deborah Turberville or Moon or Paolo Versi. you know that had this very distinct um like, you know ethereal dreamlike quality but also you know it came from the history of photo succession or um pictorialism um mm. you know it, it really I mean and I think un, mine unlike those not this is a it's a tangent, but mine, unlike those, really didn't deal with uh, class in the way they did. Their work really pointedly looked at aristocracy, I think. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were often featured in Italian Vogue. Whereas, you know, me being kind of British and looking at the history of like folk and that kind of thing, it was a really a different, I mean, now I look back on it, it's a really quite a different work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really trying to define this type of photography um, because I, maybe cause I was spellbound by it, you know, and that's what happens sometimes, you know, I was spellbound by it. But when I started to kind of really look at this photography and try and give it a name, which was kind of, you know, ostensibly it was melancholic fashion photography, which maybe it still is, I'm not sure, but I was kind of looking at it. And then when I decided to kind of take a step back on and delve into it deeper, I was like, wow, how is this made? You know, um, I think I know how it's made. You know, like, you know, Sarah Moon's work is, you know, 50% just kind of like 35 mil, you know, like kind of Charlie Chaplin inspired film. And then the other half is like 55 type Polaroid, um, you know, and it has a very distinct look and character of itself. And, you know, and then you've got Derek turbofil's work that was this very clear kind of like, I think it was uh prints in a dark room versus uh just color film on what looks like a maybe a nikon f something like that um and then just how okay how did they do this and kind of working out who printed that who did this what did and that's really kind of what's become of my study is kind of okay so this is a type of photography but that's not the the area of research is now how was this made quite quite pointedly, how was this kind of made and disseminated? And, you know, what was the process behind all of this? Because, you know, there's one name that that uh, leads this work. But is it really, you know, and it's kind of that that's something that I think came off at of the back of what I just said is, I was someone that did everything myself, and it didn't work out for me. You know, so how did other people that it did work out for? What did what did they do and what did they do differently? And and I think it's become about the labour of this kind of analog fashion photography. You know, what what is it that that we do as as um, technicians or creatives that you know has has contributed to the history and has it been accounted for properly? You know, and and this is really kind of I think what my study is now about. If that makes sense, I'm not sure if it does or not. You know, it's still early days. I mean, I mean, I'm four That's years in. Should make sense, you know. But I mean, <laughs>
1: um,
3: did you say you're nearly forty, so it should make sense? I know, I'm four years in. I mean, it's oh. I not mean, time because I teach. Um, You know, and uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so a PhD full time is is three years and maybe, yeah, another year for a write up. You know, um, but that means that. Uh, Part-time is, is seven years and maybe some yeah. extra for a write-up, you know. So um, yeah. it's been, it's like four years now. I know what I'm studying how to kind of articulate that, you know, it's still up for debate, you know. <laughs>
1: Are you are you still in, enjoying investigating all of this yeah, it's great. yeah? yeah you yeah. can tell like from from your passion yeah. when you talk about it you can tell yeah, that yeah. this is so much i think you mentioned the the term like front of mind for you at the moment yeah, yeah. And clear clearly it is something that's that's uh, that. um are you is it something that you're also able to talk to your students about and discuss yeah, yeah, yeah. things as well and, and have have any of them brought anything to to your research you know if any of them made you think oh you know
3: I mean if I can say one thing about students today is that we don't necessarily need to worry about the future they're just they're just not like us you know they are so much better people <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're just so conscientious they they really care about but if you show uh like you know, Let's, let's use a really extreme example of like, you know, the kind of a media hype of like a, a 90s Stephen Myself kind of like hair and chic kind of type look shoot. Yeah. If you show that to them now. They're, you know, they really can be quite outraged, but at the same time, they're really interested in how the work uh, is made. Mm-hmm. Yeah so so it's fascinating you know like and there's there's a whole area of study it's called effect theory i'm sure you've heard of it Mm -hmm. but it's about the kind of reception of images like that and like how you know how that affects people and how it kind of like reaches you on a bodily level um but that's kind of like fascinating to do kind of reception and studies with them Mm -hmm. and just see how that kind of work uh resonates with a different generation mm-hmm. that's been hugely influential for me and it's changed the direction of how i work absolutely mm-hmm. you know i'll, I'll find that the ethics of my work has changed the the way i approach uh femininity at large has changed um so you know it's it's massively you know it's, it's working with students is not only a privilege it's just you know it's massively life-changing it really is it's quite a humbling experience
1: so cool.
0: Uh, sorry, go on, Aid. It looked like you. No, I was going to say definitely, de- 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 a de- de- two-way street. Um, I don't, yeah. you know, uh, I, d- I don't work in in particularly creative arts, uh, you know, as as my professional day job. But I do love, you know working with the younger, less experienced people, you know, a generation or, or two behind me uh, in our organisation because I learn so much.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's, you know I, I often wonder what the people that I looked up to when I was their age were thinking about me, whether they, because, because I think that is, that there, that is sometimes a generational thing, isn't it? I'm not sure that people, you know, two generations ahead of us were looking at us and saying, Oh, I can learn so much from the youth. <laughs> I, I, I never got the feeling that it was a two way conversation when I was, yeah you know, when I was that young, but there we go. I yeah. hope Hopefully now that it's, it's, the, the world has changed a lot, in at least yes. in my world, which is much more of a corporate world. The world has changed a lot in the last 10 years for mm. the better. And, yeah, I talk about this with, with Claire and Rachel and anybody else who listen, of course, as well, about you know, about the, the the really positive things that I see going on in the corporate world. And maybe, maybe I'm just lucky with with who yeah. I hang out with. But, you know, very, very, uh, very much a two way street. Uh, in terms of the conversation, a two-way conversation with the younger people and the less experienced people in our company. Very much more open, people being much more themselves in the workplace than, um, quite frankly, if I tried that 20, 30 years ago, I'd have been fired. But yeah, nowadays it's encouraged <laughs> and a really good thing that it is.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what what's really interesting about that as well is that they're, they're such ethical people that that we're kind of bringing up now that that kind of generation and seeing that in kind of a corporate setting I mean it they they really will be revising everything you know um you know I, I be kind of I mean I should you should point me in some directions of some of the conversations you had about it, because that's 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 you know that in itself is fascinating but yeah they, they really are just uh very positive force you know um I'm always very very grateful uh but yeah i teach at ravensbourne university and and what's really fascinating is I actually teach digital photography mm. I can believe it um and <laughs> and seeing the kind of uh the interest in kind of uh film stuff you know and seeing how they kind of you know the, how how they kind of like uh, bounce off of those things um and and actually you know the the universities that I've taught at, uh, you know, so far have actually all had this kind of corporate leaning. Um, so, you know, all of the ethics of kind of how to work in corporations and stuff is, you know, it's definitely changed a lot in the in the last five years at least. You know, huge, huge, huge amounts, yeah
0: all <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, right yeah that's that's a that's a deep thread of conversation we could have and talk oh, for hours yeah. but possibly it's not so much about photography so <laughs>
2: yeah yeah. Oh, no yeah. It's, it's interesting to me that you is what you said about um with part of your research Alan it's something I've thought about a lot of not just in photography uh all sorts of things science is about um people that like you say may have been overlooked and yeah. have contributed and have been imperative mm-hmm. to um like you say, a picture or a film and and they've never really been credited for yeah. for their part in it. And if you, like you say, if you research into it, it's such a, gr- a lovely idea that you could discover yeah. people and and um, speak to them and hear, hear their side. Because I'm sure we could literally rewrite history because something I often think about. What we're told is how it is quite often probably isn't actually. There's a lot of people that probably, like you say, do get overlooked. So what an interesting kind of yeah research yeah like people like you I'm quite often on my own creating work but you realize that you say if you do do any collaborations it is an industry like you say so there's a lot of a lot of people and probably a lot of people that get overlooked yeah. um, for that for their contributions maybe
3: yeah. um and, and one so way of dealing with that is um so it, as a method of research uh oral history is <laughs> definitely one of the best ways of kind of uh tackling that situation. So um I'd retrained at the British Library as a to learn how to speak to people, which is, you know, you're clearly better at it than what I am, you know, I've only just begun. But oral history is a hugely beneficial method for just communicating with people, just getting people to open up and talking about their practice. But there's a really, really uh, particular style of oral history for crafts because As craftspeople, we don't uh we don't articulate very well. You know, we we have our own very uh distinct set of words and languages around uh actions that aren't you know just just aren't kind of um you know translated into words in any way. Um and that's been one of the stumbling blocks that I've found. So when I kind of like really kind of just storm in and say, oh, that's not how it's done, you know, to someone, to a sort a fashion historian, for example, oh, well, how is it done then, you know? And and I'll be like, well, oh, you know, I'll know how to do it in the dark room. But then when it comes to it, you know, I'm just like, Oh well, yeah. I count to ten and taking out the develop, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, they they start saying to me, "Well, record yourself doing this. Then record yourself talking about the strange language that you're using. That's like, you know, the milky whites and the soft mm-hmm. black. What do all these words mean? You know, what? So just tricking ourselves into kind of like, you know interviewing people and trying to get people to kind of stumble on things that like, oh, so that's what they mean when they do that. And, and it's really interesting because the way I was able to find uh, the people that had made some of the images in the studies that I was I was in um, is because I had been doing the same things in the darkroom. And there weren't people, uh, there weren't other academics that were able to identify those methods. So I knew certain photographers weren't doing these printings. I knew that person wasn't capable of doing that. Yeah. So only, I, I would have known they would have mentioned certain chemicals or certain things, or even certain smells in, in their mm-hmm. interviews and stuff, but they weren't. And, you know, so I was like, I knew someone had this information that was was not being kind of articulated because I'd spent the last 25 years in the darkroom, you know? So I, I was like, why isn't this kind of being mentioned? So, you know, it was it was kind of this method of just getting people to open up and talk about what Mm -hmm. they were doing and then accidentally, okay, found that, okay, found that. And then you get these kind of puzzle pieces that you can put together. But, you know, one of the best ways of doing it and trying piece all these kind of lost histories um, together is just getting people to talk about it and and using your intuition as a craftsperson to get to that point, you know, um, and like I say, you're better at it than I'm. I can't. I'm really bad at speaking, you know, in these kind of ways, but I really noticed that I'm good at identifying uh printmaking styles, or I'm I'm very quickly able to work out what someone's done. And I've always had that skill because I grew up with a dark room, you know. So it was just it's just that for me is a really exciting step in a different direction as a in my career, because I went from being someone who made this kind of work to someone who can very easily identify it and start to analyze it in different ways. And that's been, uh, I think, pivotal for me in in my kind of like development as a person, let alone creative, you know. Um, But that's been really interesting, exciting
0: you're like a detective right that's that's really cool do you know what's the the the, we've got to think there's got to be like a tv character we can (laughs) we can liken you to like who is like a a a detective but is also an author or something like that
3: Mm -hmm. but maybe you guys are like that as well (laughs) maybe you are you know maybe we're just an archetype (laughs) you
2: you, when you were speaking i could connect with what you were saying on, on several things um I feel like I can learn from other people's work by looking at it so I don't know if it's the same thing but I feel like I I look and I think what is it I'm liking about this and I know it sounds people laugh when I say it's not that it goes in by osmosis but I do feel you can learn a lot just by looking at work um, and and studying it and it's what if we rewound back to what you were saying earlier Ellen I totally get as well like if you watch a film. I can, I love going to the cinema, I love mostly going to the cinema, because I love seeing the things on big screens, but yeah. I get distracted as well, because I'm thinking, oh, what, like you, oh, they must have done it on this lens, or or the lighting, and it's like you say, you can't can't help but think like that, can you? Yeah, uh, I think you like know. to like <laughs> say, look at people's work and try and work out how it's been done. Maybe not to the to the depths that y- you do it or to to the research, but something. And I totally get as well what you're saying about being able to. I feel like I can't articulate about my work.
3: No, I, I struggle. With I think
2: it. it's. And yeah. I feel that probably I come up, you know, if people ever ask me, I guess even though inside I feel like I know what I want to say, I can't get it out. I don't know. Yeah. And um sometimes yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm dyslexic. I, I sometimes as well I have this thing where I feel like I've I've said half a sentence. I don't finish my <laughs> sentence yeah. because in my <laughs> head I've already said it. So yeah. but it's not actually come out of my mouth. So people and, think I'm and you forget that you've that you've, you've said half
1: of it. Can't you yeah. as well? Yeah, you can just completely forget that you said said either half a thing, or that you said it to somebody else. And actually, when when you're having conversations with people, like um I found over the years, you know, talking to students and things, and I think, have I have I already said this to yeah. you, or was this yeah. you know, to a, di- a totally different person in a different class or something? Mm-hmm. I I hadn't realised that you'd also had that experience, Clara. It's really really
3: good. It's really I, nice. I do to that yeah, all the time. I think it's, creative people do. Yeah. I yeah I mean I so it's interesting you say that so when I started my PhD one of my supervisors was like there's something wrong with you you know like there's something wrong if you ever been diagnosed with anything you know yeah. anything you know because you jump around all the time and you kind of have this kind of like strange energy you know so and then um you know you can't formulate things and, and I was like oh, I don't know and then they kind of sent me to um like a screening for lots of different things. And then it just as a classic it came away with like, oh, you you're quite dyslexic and you have ADHD. And I was like, well, you know, actually I think me and all of my students and you know, every creative person in a sense, because it's like I find that maybe this is a a creative brain type, you know, and it and it's like, I think in a sense it's uh people who are very, very creative often have these issues. Yeah. Um, you know, and you and you think differently and we need every kind of person for for these um for for different ways of thinking Uh, and it happens that most people you know in in this conversation maybe the people listening to it as well also have the same um mindset you know or or kind of brain chemistry or brain type because creatives and you know we don't think like other people um Yeah. yeah and it will be a kind of puzzling you know putting things together in various different non-linear ways you know some people think in quite a straightforward way creatives don't you know yeah. and uh that's been that's been really interesting seeing kind of a lot of people i've known kind of have this kind of similar you know my partner most certainly. certainty you know um and seeing that kind of you know brain type is really interesting um but yeah, I definitely don't see it as a detriment because I think it's usually very, very useful brain type, you know.
2: Yeah, I think so, and it's it's learning to be comfortable with yourself for me because I was always sometimes I struggle to be. I feel like there's certain situations or with when I don't know people that well. I for me, I feel like I struggle sometimes to be myself because I I feel sometimes I know that I can once I get going now, like you say, go off on tangents. <laughs> yeah, and, um, I can drag a conversation here there, or want, or sometimes I'm going so quick. I'll cut into people. So I'm sometimes trying to suppress it, so I don't come across as being really rude or something. Mm. But sometimes it can hinder you. You can, come, you can squash yourself. Whereas maybe it's about being, trying to be a bit just comfortable with yourself. But definitely um, I can uh, identify w- w- with that as well. And uh, so I'm going back on a tangent now. <laughs> about, uh, you, you you know, meet, um, into, for your research, meeting people and mm. get open up about that. I think that's really such a great thing because so many people i mean i mean when I, I one of the ways i began in photography was basically not 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 that i've got great skills now but hadn't had less skills then but i really was drawn to a lot of like the characters in my home you know my hometown a lot of them quite i suppose outsider characters you'd say or quite eccentric and some of them were so quite eccentric it's almost like they weren't noticed and cool. i formed quite a friendship with i'm just thinking of with a, with a gentleman he's, he's he's, he's no longer with us now, Cyril. But, you know, Ellen, he was such a character and his flat and everything. And a bit like what you say, because I'd spent a lot of t- time with him opening up and him telling me about his life. And he was, you know, he could make clocks, he could do all sorts of, uh, his flat was just wonderful. Yeah. Um, it's nice, isn't it, when you meet people like that. So is that a part of your research that you really enjoy? Oh,
3: God, I, I'm exactly like you. I I find people like this all the time. Um, you know, I, I worked, you know, growing up, I worked in Jessup's oh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. A exchange and a yeah. shop. Okay. Yeah. So I, I had my, my first Hasselblad was given to me by a Fleet Street photographer who was retiring. That was amazing. And then my mm-hmm. second Hasselblad was given to me by another retiring photographer. And, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I was what, 19 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I just kind of met these characters in the comic shop and would take pictures of them and stuff. And it would, you know, it would be this thing that I would kind of I felt like I was always trying to find the kind of strange and beautiful people of London. Um, and I found many of them, you know, and I definitely think that somehow factored into the research aspect. But yeah. um, Did they also find you? you'll yeah, like, well.
1: find each other don't we? Yeah. yeah whether whether you want to to be finding them or not i don't know if you've also found this but they seem to be attracted to yeah. you <laughs> um so no matter where you go you know you're like I, i'm just I'm just gonna try and get from A to B, and you always end up still. I'm like, how has this happened ag- again? You know, but yeah, I think it's just an energy, isn't
3: there? I suppose. Of like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as well, if you kind of grow up with camera enthusiasts, there's definitely mm-hmm. a version of that. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> but it, it, now, as a you know, it was really fascinating though because I found when I worked when I was a teenager and I worked at Jessup's, you would definitely get people that just straight up believe that the the young girls had knew nothing about you know and that was that was really interesting because you know i often knew more than than yeah. boys. i had I had absolutely no designs on trying to make anyone think otherwise i was like well, if you're not going to speak to me then you know
1: yeah. <laughs> i <laughs> had any that, many know? similar conversations with because yeah. i i went from uni and then became a technician at the uh, at the university um uh, running uh, their sort of like editing uh, department and and had mostly male students yeah. uh, you know as well and uh yeah uh, they were there were definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was definitely a, a, an element of that um yeah. you know how what what do you mean? I have to listen to what you're telling me? No, I'll just go off and do this. Fine, okay, off you go. <laughs> see see yeah. how far you get with that then. Um, yeah, exactly. But you know, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's
3: it, yeah. That. Yeah. But, yeah. But I mean, you you just have to kind of like trust your instinct on these things and just go. Okay, well, I I know a lot about the subjects, and you know, I'm just gonna yeah, yeah. I, I got off I think I got off topic again there but <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what we do <laughs> when, I was actually, when I was looking at all of your profiles um earlier something that really jumped out to me recently so um I, I think as aid it said that you were a racing driver or something like that
0: uh was yes um a few years ago before I had yeah. kids uh, it was a hobby of mine um oh. so uh that's uh yeah it's probably the last the last season i was competing was 2009 so it's a while ago oh. now um but Fantastic. uh it's yeah lots and lots of fun um it's a it's a good way uh there's the old joke of how, how do you make a small fortune where you start off with a big one you go motor racing
3: um, <laughs> you
0: know, uh, definitely <laughs> a little that- bit definitely a little bit about that about it and then of course uh by the uh my wife who who was always very supportive um yeah, you know, she used to help look after the car with me and stuff like that yeah. and uh but by the end of that last season she was waddling around the paddock <laughs> very heavily Aww. pregnant and we were like oh, no we're, we're off we'll see you guys in a few years <laughs> oh
3: that's wonderful well because i grew up with this kind of petrol head father <laughs> and i i don't know if you've heard of this term before but have you had that? You probably have mechanical sympathy.
0: Oh yes. You know, yes. so this
3: is big in the in the racing world. This term, mm-hmm. and maybe you can say more about it than I can. But it, this term fascinates me, and I, I and I and I it keeps coming back to me in my life. You know, so it it's now like one of the kind of cornerstones of my research. I think this idea. So I remember when I was learning to drive. And my dad being a bit of a petrol head. there's motorcycles in my family, they're racing and stuff. Um, so when I learned to drive, my dad was uh, taking me out to learn to drive. And he's like, I'm not taking you out driving anymore. You've got no mechanical sympathy. <laughs> and, and I was like, how oh, very day you? Well, I'm good with technical stuff. I'm not very good at mechanics. And you know, there's this famous saying that in, in and I'm sure Aid can correct me maybe, but it's a famous saying that was something along the lines of, um you don't have to be uh engineered to be a racing driver but you have to have mechanical sympathy and this is like a it's like the cornerstone of my photography life it's like it's like you have to have some like an understand understanding it. camera yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's, and it's, I think it's like
0: that's a really yeah. it, it works in loads of dimensions actually yeah. I mean, and and it it actually works um you know the the one time when I think about it these days a lot is when you see somebody shouting at their computer complaining it doesn't work <laughs> um it's like it you know it's it's that the it's that level of frustration that mm. people get mm. you know or or somebody. yeah you know, it it's and it's actually partly it's... Yeah. It's, it's, sympathy is a really sort of you know, anthropomorphic right, yeah, term, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's it's like do I, do I actually have genuine sympathy with the phone that's sitting on the desk or the camera that I'm looking into? Yeah. And I think, but it's but there's 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 a almost a philosophical approach that underpins it for me, which is you know what am I trying to do here? Am I really yeah. trying to blame my camera? Am I going to throw it against the wall in a minute, <laughs> or or am I actually going to take the time and invest it and learn something about how it works, learn its foibles? You know cars are a great example because and especially racing cars which are sort of highly tuned mm-hmm. high, you know, highly temperamental beasties at the best of times um uh, and I think yeah, you know, there are many cameras that, you know, that are like that as well So how do I get the best out of this you know a holger would be a great example of where yeah. you need mechanical sympathy you can't just you know wreck a whole, you can't you, you have to, to work you with the way
1: take.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> you, you need a lot of tape. Racing cars are very similar to Holgers in that respect. Actually, mine was forever covered in tape. I should perhaps have le- crashed it into fewer things. Um, mm. But the but but a Holger is a great example of where you've got to work with the you know in sympathy with the tool to get the result. Mm. You can't just force it. You can't force a Holger to do anything the Holger doesn't want to do. Right? Yeah. and and that for me is perhaps an example of where mechanical sympathy comes in in photography so i can totally get why your well, your researcher brain is fascinated with that because that is yeah. a deep thing
3: yeah i think it's fantastic saying and i i mean i was originally very patronized by it as i as i just described but mm-hmm. you know it, it's this term that's kind of stuck with me particularly in in academia in the in my kind of uh, i don't know how to put it but my fanaticism for understanding how images work um, I think I kind of call it mechanical sympathy, you know, because mm. it, it's this kind of uh, need to, or this call to look at it from the photography action, you know, like mm. to look at it as like, you know, you learn so much from looking at the history of photography from that perspective. Mm. You know, like a really obvious example is like, um, you know, if you understand how the camera works, you know, you might understand how long the model is sitting still for, and then you might have more empathy for the model, or you might, you yeah. know, there are all these things that you kind of kind of work backwards from from the Light. position of lighting. Lighting
0: is a good one for me as well. I've yeah, studied exactly. the lighting aspects of photography for yeah. years, only only as an amateur, but I have studied and I've collected lights and I've played with them, and yeah, and yeah, it, it, there's a there's a way. Often you can try and force lighting for a, yeah. a competition, a compos- mm-hmm. composition. You can try and force the lighting. Yeah, you know, okay, I'm going to need at least five lights for this, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got to blitz that area and I've got to kill that shadow over there in the corner. And you end up with this monstrosity of a lighting setup when really actually what you could do is more sympathetically back away from it and say, okay,
3: simple is better." (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, yeah, I have plenty of stories I could tell about when I've like not had that mechanical sympathy for the lighting aspect of what I'm trying to create. Um, One of my daughter's birthday parties rings a bell actually, where I ended up with tons and tons of kit. And I was like, am I really, I, 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 almost had to just strip it all down and say, I'm sorry, it's your birthday and it's your party and you're here with your (laughs) friends, but I just can't do it. I managed to struggle through in the end, despite myself, I got the shot despite my technical prowess, not because of it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have to kind of take a step back and kind of understand how these work and then go, okay, now we can approach it. Mm. And yeah, I think that's, that's a really, for me, that's always been like this kind of thing in the background of my practice and my research and everything is kind of like, how do i make sure that everything is really technically sound so i can mm-hmm. kind of undo it Yeah. Yes. That yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and nice. that that's where that you know that's why i've become the kind of character i am and that i'm this kind of like darkroom person or this mm-hmm. kind of technical person or you know and that actually if, if i do want to create a mood or synthesize a mood of some description it's because i come from this background and and i think it's hard to do that without and it's quite a nerdy position to be in you know it's like, it's quite hard it's a hard sell isn't it like you've got to be this like
1: I mean not to us really I, I'm, I'm fully on board with that I'm like yep <laughs>
3: <laughs> before you can go in and start to you know I, I had this I had this fantastic friend it well, was she's still my friend you know I don't want to say it like she was my friend but when I first started out I had I, I was associated with this girl called Susie LaRoche she's fantastic I mean look up her work she's Yeah, like a master of Mm -hmm. uh, of this kind of very dark, uh, very kind of dirgey imagery that was just Mm -hmm. perfect and gothy, and she still is. She's amazingly talented. But interestingly, we both came from a very similar background, and people would always ask us about our kind of tools of the trade and things like that. But we were both quite nerdy, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was from that position that we were able to undo a lot of the learning that we'd done. like me, her dad was into photography, and you know, we would sit there and kind of work out. We, we would be in darkroom together when we were very young, and we would be like, "Okay, well, let's just open it earlier and do this and do it's like see what we can do when the fix is only at two minutes and da 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 da, you know." And it, mm-hmm. it, it came from this, you know, it came from this genuine like sympathy for the film and the cameras that that we were able to kind of start creating this kind of world. Um, you know, it came from craft. You know, we're yeah. craftspeople, you know, and yeah. ultimately it came from this deep passion for craft. And then from there, you're like, oh, okay. So, and this is what this is something I made a mistake in one of my exams for my PhD. You know, I had um, my one of the, my examiners was Val Williams, who's a prolific uh, photography academic, and she said, "Oh, you need to put yourself more in your practice." She was absolutely right. She was like, "You need to kind of like put your craftsmanship or craft womanship in in the middle of all of this, you know, to to give more uh, answers and information." And I was like, "Oh, but it's so boring, you know, because for me it was just this kind of steps that I would take that were very technical." And then she's like, oh, "This is ridiculous. you know, like she'd have to she'd always kind of convince me to get to the point where I am now, you know, where I'm saying, OK, so I, now I see the value of my technical skill in order to find things out and in order to create these kind of worlds. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's about kind of like working, working it backwards from that, you know, but for me, it was always this very dry. I never wanted to speak about my practice because it was very dry. No, it's like, it's like I think you know, we all
0: get to... that, don't we? I think yeah. Claire was saying something like that earlier, weren't you, Claire? You, yeah. you, you're trying to describe your processes and your ways of working and things it's like that. And it just you, come isn't it? To you. It's
3: like, yeah, <laughs> and and you know, everyone's like, but how are you doing this little, you know, fog and dizzy? yeah? Like, well, isn't that obvious? You know, it's just to me, it's like you know how, but but it isn't. It isn't. And you know, it's like, so, but it, it's just from years of just trial and error and kind of just mucking around and understanding the the way the film works and the camera and, you know, the lighting and all of this stuff. And it's just like, it's really hard to articulate. It's one tiny little sentence that you memorized decades ago. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really, it's a really, really complicated thing. And that's why oral histories are so much more interesting to get those little bits of information out than the written interview, for example, where yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm always a bit cagey in those interviews because I'm like, oh, I don't want to learn this boring stuff, and I don't want to take all the, you know, the kind of mystery out of it by me just being really boring in the dark room, you know. And it's just like that's a that's a really interesting part for a lot of people, but for me, it was just like no. So, but that's just learning to embrace that side of it is a huge learning curve for me, you know and that, that sorry go on, go on I was
1: just wondering I was just sorry just sort of like brought to mind something for me around education as well because there is you have to think in a slightly different way in order to be able to articulate those yeah. aspects of it to somebody else because you can get so into that whole like well this is just how I do it and you're just so you've done it thousands and thousands of times before you know exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But in order to translate that to have somebody else be able to do it, that that does require you to to break it down and to actually go into every single aspect of that for yeah. somebody who has never experienced that before so mm-hmm. that's probably really helpful you know that right. obviously in your academic um and educational like life now that maybe that is helping you to yeah. to do that I yes. would I would imagine because yes. I know that from my perspective that's definitely has helped it helps me great uh, it helps me understand things on a better level um when you have to go and and figure out how it works first so you can then teach somebody else how to do it obviously but you know in in order to do that you do have to break it down in this in a different way don't you and because obviously when you're translating that to somebody else everybody learns in a very different way as well so you kind of almost have to learn it to then be able to break it down but to do that you have to also cover lots of different possible learning um sort of like uh, oh what's the word like uh, ways of learning basically as well so that everybody can understand
3: what's yeah. going on and well, yeah, i'm doing yeah. a very bad job of explaining that right now <laughs> no, no, actually i think to, to kind of springboard from what you've said because i think that's a really good point i've noticed it it, because I can't articulate very well what I'm doing and how to mm-hmm. convey that in teaching form, I've had to find other ways mm-hmm. to uh, communicate that information. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I do when I'm teaching is workshops. So I'll actually do a shoot and bring them all in and get them to see how I'm lighting, how mm-hmm. I'm taking pictures. And that that yeah. for me is a far better um, vocational way of teaching yeah. that than me explaining because I just simply can't, you know. So one of the things that I find that is my teaching style and something I'm very good at is spending time with someone kind of like speaking to them and working with them about their process. So that's mm-hmm. tutoring and I'm very good at tutoring. And then I'm very good at kind of doing these kind of masterclass workshop things which which I bring people in. And then another thing is that I kind of worked on the last couple of years is this um questionnaire to get them to and i think it's just it's kind of something to go back to what claire said earlier is that some people learn from analyzing other images and i found that what so i wrote this kind of questionnaire that was um very in depth of okay I want you to write it like several sentences about the black tones in this image or the shadows of this image. (laughs) Or so when we go to example for editing images, like we'll notice that there's no clipping in the blacks. Like we're gonna have to bring those into a middle range. Okay. So we're noticing there's warm tones in some. it's okay we put warm tones in our own image and we just start using our deep analysis skills to work out how to do it and it's like before you know it you're teaching someone how to grade and understand someone else's image and make it like theirs or work to but in a way that's not necessary it comes from a kind of research point of view so, so basically like long story short is like everyone learns in different ways but also yeah. everyone teaches in different ways mm-hmm. um you know and if you're me, who you know, really does sometimes struggle to be quite clear in my articulation, um, which which in the written word comes across as extremely cagey, but but in the uh, in kind of mm. this situation is okay. Well, I have to find ways to counteract how I teach, even because you know, like I say, like, people learn in different ways, but people teach in different ways. So mm. I have to find all these kind of different methods. So okay, so I'm going to edit images like this with with students in a certain way, and then we're going to learn how that editing works you know so post-production and processes and spending time with them on that is one really important aspect but this for me is is so vital in knowing how images work is studying them like that Mm -hmm. Um, you know and it's like you don't always just talk at people and that's how you do it that's not how i mean certainly not how i learn it's not how i teach but you know there are so many different ways to kind of articulate all these things um so, yeah, learning that about yourself as a teacher yeah. and as a creative is, you know, and and I think it, it's not like necessarily giving all your trade secrets away or anything like that. But it's really much more about kind of spending time with someone and understanding their practice and kind of helping them with their own path and working out how they can do that. Um, but that's really fascinating for me. Mm has have gone in a different direction. Yeah, I'm definitely a
2: a learning by doing as well person. So like you say, if I'd learn more, if I was on, say, like your workshop, looking at the lighting, different things, going out and using a camera, possibly getting things wrong, that's, I learn by much better by doing as well. That's fascinating you
3: say that. (laughs) Sorry, sorry.
2: No, 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 go on. I, I was going to rewind us back to talk about going off on to back on another tangent <laughs> back when you were saying about your research. um, mm-hmm. I was really interested when you said, because um, I, I, I wrote it down that you'd um your, how you view femininity has mm-hmm. um So I was quite interested yeah. in that. And we went off on it on a different tangent.
3: Well, I, so, I think it's as simple as um I was photographing women my own age. Yeah, oh. and I was in my early twenties, and they were in their own early twenties, and then, then I kind of had like a few years off, and then before you know it, you're kind of nearly forty. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So it's like, and so you know, I'm there now, and I I really have. I mean, you you mentioned at the very beginning, and I don't know if we were recording them, but you mentioned my first book, Abundant Crocodile. Abundant Beautiful Yeah, yeah. And, and I was what, twenty-three when I was making that work, and you know, so I'm you know I'm like thirty-nine now, so. Yeah. It's it it's, it's I can put myself in the time when I was making that work, yeah. but it's hard to mm. put myself. And it's like I look at that work and I'm like, oh, okay, it's I know how it was made, I know how it's done, I could do it now. But do I want to do it now? Yeah. No, because it belongs to a 23 year old woman who yeah. just came out of yeah. university and is finding out who they are. And you know, and it's like I relate to the work in a sense, but I I mean I don't. So for example, I don't shoot nudes really anymore. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I feel my relationship with the nude has changed. And and that's not necessarily a good or bad thing. But, you know, I, I just, I just don't feel the need to do it in the same way. And I, and I think that's because I'm not the same person that took the picture yeah. you know, originally. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and you know people change and you know life changes and life changes you and, and it and it's and it's all about kind of uh, figuring out your place in that and where you want to take your work yeah um, but i think my idea of a womanhood now is really quite you know it it's about sometimes it's about thinking about aging and things like that and i haven't managed to articulate that in photography yet because i've been so caught up in teaching and researching um but it's been fascinating you know, I, I still shoot fashion and a a lot of the work that's coming out, um, that I probably will be posting soon is with, uh, younger models because they're the models in my workshops for my students. Um, Mimi is one of, uh, the models who I use recurringly, but I don't shoot nude with her because I, I, I'm I'm not her age and I wouldn't want to, you know, and it's like, I, so that's a really different, uh, I just shoot fashion now, you know, and I think that's, you know, I think that's just just kind of the responsibility of my age, and I just think you know, it's it's just not the same work. You know, it, it was me kind of running around with them, kind of newt, you know, <laughs> when I was in my early twenties, and now I'm just kind of like doing workshops with my students who are the same age as me, and so you know, it's like it, it's a different relationship, and you know, now for me, it's more about craft. Yeah whereas for me at the beginning it was about finding out who I was or what kind of woman I was and yeah how femininity worked um and yeah my relationship with the photography I used to make has definitely changed like 100% yeah um, you
2: know
3: and it and it's and it's just I don't know where it'll go i mean when i finish my phd and i'm back shooting on that kind of level that isn't always workshops and things like that i imagine i'll be shooting older women you know mm-hmm. um and that's that's where it'll go I mean I haven't got to that stage yet yeah I'm still analysing other people's work and kind of really throwing myself into what it means to kind of be a craftsperson you know mm. and uh yeah but a lot of but a lot of the work now is really thinking through these things you know
2: really a lot of what you said it's really interesting because I was thinking about my own work because some of my work's got a, has a nudity content and more and more these days I found myself thinking about that and mm. what I make it, and and it's a bit like the food you put into your body, thinking about the artwork you create and what you're putting out. Yeah, yeah. I think more and more, but I've really got a desire to do a photographic series of, like, ladies sort of in their, in their 70s. Yeah, same. Yeah, that's um,
3: what I'm inspired.
2: <laughs> There's this wonderful woman that actually works in our local spa in the village yeah. I live in, She's just fantastic, you know, and I, I and I'm more and more drawn to these like ladies, you know. And yeah. uh, when I when I see photos of um, uh, what do you call him? The um, I'm just thinking of the his 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 name's gone from my head now. Film director. And I was thinking of his um, Scorsese. Mm-hmm. If you ever saw pictures of his mother, mm-hmm. with her glasses and stuff. And every time I see like these ladies, I always think like, I'd love to make a series of them. So yeah, it's interesting. Wow. Yeah what you just said as well um, it reminds me of um, when you hear musicians say you know that the music they were maybe making at one point and they had like a you know successful albums and yeah. like concerts that they get they find it quite um what's the word yeah, like trapping in some way yeah trapping and quite yeah. disheartening yeah. because they've moved on and they're making new yeah. music and they go and people turn up at their gigs and sometimes they feel like you know people just want the stuff they did Back then, whereas they've got this, you know, that they they have kind of evolved and yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting.
3: Yeah, it definitely, and I think I haven't like put out a lot of work. I mean, the things I was I started doing, just trying to think because I haven't posted any of my more recent work in year, I'd say probably properly in like a long time because it's really been about the idea of just being in the dark room. I think that's you know for the last few years. But um, I did a menswear shoot not so long ago, and then I do these workshops with. My mm so the idea is that I do a shoot so I'm working with young designers and then I bring you know a number of uh, models that I just know um Mm -hmm. I bring them in and then I do the shoot and then I ask at seven students of mine a week to take pictures whilst I'm shooting like they do some pictures from my actual shoot Mm -hmm. and then develop the images and and kind of so this has been kind of an interesting process for me because it's really about them um And you know, it's like you know, there's a strange kind of like motherly instinct to kind of teach them how to shoot like I did. You know, this is a really strange. I mean, I don't know what's going on with me, but mm-hmm. it's, it's this is this is kind of where I'm at as a creative. And it's like, yeah. So I'm, maybe I'm not a mother. I'm just kind of for, I'm just channeling through my photography. Like teaching. there's all sorts of mothers, Ellen. You yeah. know, that is a. a a way of one way that I just kind of like channel it parenting you know exactly and and I do a kind of like teaching them how just teaching the the ways of this fashion Mm -hmm. so that's been really interesting for me and then um I've been kind of like thinking about that a lot and then kind of where I would take my work but I haven't been shooting in that way and you know I have been producing the images from the workshop so I have been shooting and producing images but I wouldn't necessarily say they're my work that I would mm. use on Instagram or make a book of and your desk kind of thing mm. um so that's been fascinating as well because I'm still a photographer doing the same thing I always did but almost attached from it it's a very very strange process but it's part of a different
1: process isn't yeah. it is uh, it
3: that you're, that you're... yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's been it's been an interesting um kind of working with you know all my students and kind of doing that yeah so <laughs> just blabbering on no it's,
0: really it's, I, it's, it's 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 fascinating because the, the thing that's it we've talked a lot we've talked around a whole bunch of subjects which is which is great um I, i'm wondering you know as we get into this point in the conversation and and just starting to talk about what you're doing now and the things that are on your mind now what's what do you think is in your your near future
3: mm, that's a really good question i hadn't thought of that <laughs> i don't know why is that my near future? Um, I, I mean, I think actually, I've been trying to, like I said at the beginning, I've been trying to all the working parts of what kind of photography is. Mm-hmm. I've been working so film, film references, kind yeah. of womanhood, um, analog photography, craft, mm-hmm. like what it is to be a craftsperson, and a technician. So these things have never gone anywhere. You know, like these are things that these are like ones. There's six there, six themes that have kind of like stuck with me um, for better or worse, they'll always stick with me. You know, these are the themes I work with and I'm, you know, kind of like tethered to for the rest of my life. So I've been thinking about those things. And then when I kind of look at my research and when I kind of look at what I've done, I think, well, I probably will always be just like looking at the craft of photography. I mean I mean whatever I do in life I'm always going to be a photographer I'm always going to be teaching I'm always going to be kind of making work so it'll always be it's more and more as I get older it's about okay so this is what I was always doing it was always about the history of photography and the history of tech, the technical aspects of photography. So I think that's just going to be something that goes throughout my life as this kind of like line, you know, it's like the lifeline or, or handle something. It's like okay, so I'm an analog photographer. Like this is, you know, this is my destiny. It's like so that from start to end, it's going to be that. How how what I do in the kind of process, I'm not sure, you know. Um, I'm always kind of trying learning and I really enjoy the process. So I was recently relearning, um, photopolymer that do photo etching to go back Mm. to my kind of printmaking roots. And that's fascinating. I love doing that. You know, the inking process of photography and Mm. looking at old photography, old fashioned magazines Mm. that were, that were etchings. And that's been really fun. So, I mean, who knows, maybe these things will marry and turn into something else and warp and change, but you know, I'll always be kind of hand coloring and, mucking around in the dark room i think i'm just a tinkerer like my dad's like that as well kind of (laughs) you end up starting to really recognize some stuff you know yeah uh, i I just think i'm just going to be like that i'm just always going to be like this incessant tinkerer i love that that sounds like
0: a cool destiny (laughs) that does that i could totally get behind that and i if i could just be an incessant tinkerer for the rest of my life i think i think i'd be pretty happy
3: around yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: cool well do you know what we should probably start wrapping up this conversation but yeah thank you ever so much for joining us and it's been a fascinating conversation and have you enjoyed yourself
3: yes i have yeah exactly it's been fantastic it's been great to speak to others like-minded yeah <laughs> like oh, <the> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes you're def- definitely uh, definitely amongst friends here. <laughs> um for for those of our our listeners um who are keen to find out more about your work uh where would you like to send them where where can people find more um, about you So
3: Instagram um which is Ellen Jane Rogers. Um I think that kind of cross posts straight to Facebook. So if you're a Facebook person you can just, you know, <laughs> the gamut of the two, I don't know. I mean, um i have a blog but i barely update it so i think instagram is a good one i sometimes do q a's which i think are interesting perhaps maybe they're not yeah. <laughs> maybe they're just, just a bit like me rambling here in kind of like dyslexic writing form you know so yeah uh, <laughs> I'll
0: try that as well uh, that that's <laughs> awesome well thank you thank you ever so much uh,
2: We'll put up the links, won't we? As well. oh, we
0: absolutely will. No, that's that. Yeah. Yes, we won't just put the ask for the links in in for the podcast. We will put them up in the show notes, so anybody that is as a chance to um to to look at the the your website and things like that as and your Instagram as we as we go through the show to see see some oh, of the things that you. we're talking about too.
3: And thank you, Claire, for bringing me on. That's very kind, and um, yeah, oh, really enjoyed. Yeah. Thank you for giving us your time, it's, it's been great. pleasure to have you on. <laughs> yeah
2: been really delightful
0: Ellen thank you Aww, so much thank you. Um, well, yeah. yeah yeah so uh, Claire and Rach any any parish notices any uh, any announcements that you'd like to to make or to share <laughs>
1: uh uh, do you know, I'll, I might save, I might save mine for 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 another time. We oh, were talking that's a about it just before we pressed. I know, that's just before tease. we pressed record, I just started to, um, talking about it, and I was like, "Oh, do I talk about it now?" But um, it is along the lines of what we've been discussing. Obviously, Ellen t- has talked a lot today about her work as a craftsperson person in the dark room and things. So, uh, exciting new things um, will be happening soon, and I will be letting everybody know that's, about that. That's good. Right. Everybody hey,
0: on the edge of their seats now. And as you tune in next week folks
1: yeah and and uh, yeah hopefully ellen at some point might be able to uh, do some collaborating so that'd be oh, wonderful wow. it'd really, like... really love to do something like that it'd be great yeah. uh, thank you so much it's been really delightful getting chance to chat so. to you today and find out more about that and as always yes
2: busy 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 weeks i think claire what about you what have you it's... got coming up there, um a she a she Hearts film walk she loves yes thank film. you thank you very much uh, for reminding me about that 20th That's november fun. and yes. it's in clackeaton where's Clek-Eton? Yeah. <laughs> i'm <laughs> terrible at geography i don't know but um do you know more about it rachel
1: yeah so um so Peggy who's go camera go who um we did a uh, a chat with at uh, the photography show uh, uh, in the after party uh, section afterwards um Peggy she has basically um sort of like set up a studio shoot for uh, analog photographers so that um people could go along and basically work with a couple of models that she's that that she's found to to put together basically so um if you go onto the uh, photowalk.me website you'll find that she's also posted there um it's being Done, I think, also in collaboration with She Hearts Film. Uh so it's a studio day uh with models. And I have said if um anybody who goes and does actually wishes to learn how to hand process a roll of their black and white film afterwards or what have you, then come along and I'm I'll do a, a group workshop for everybody to learn how to do that. If they've not done that before, it's just nice to to do that kind of thing together, I think, as well. So um, so yeah, so peggy set this up. Um she's hired the studio in um uh silkwood studios in cleckheaton um and yeah uh, as as she mentioned there's a couple of couple of models um who have uh pretty distinct looks and very different looks i think so yeah it looks like a lot of fun and if sounds you go like a on grand day out. It, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah if you go if you go on to uh onto the website you'll be able to find it on there again we'll put the uh, the link in aid i think right
0: cool yeah well hey you give me the link i'll put it in the show notes that's nice. how yeah that's that's how <laughs> slick we are as a team right that, it, that, it just all flows naturally it's all good right well thank you very much for listening folks uh, it's, uh again um you know, we have been the sunny 16 podcast uh thank you again to ellen our super special guest for today mm-hmm. and we will be back with you next week take care goodbye,
2: goodbye. <laughs>